do you view your own success? Are you leading with compassion or are you considered ruthless? There is plenty of room for both types of leaders, but the best way to lead successfully is to balance boldness and integrity, using kindness and compassion to earn respect. Combine this with a go-getter, visionary, and aggressive drive to stay competitive. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks. We'll use the ideas heard today and in this series to help you use every advantage to achieve the best end result. Now, here's your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Welcome to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I am your host, Kathy Fairbanks. I'm delighted that you've joined us today. Now, today, we're actually going to put our thinking caps on a little bit. We have struck the trifecta with our guest today, Kate Sting. And Kate is the founder of Make It Happen Project Services. So it might be a good time to grab a pen and paper because what we're going to talk about is how Kate support small businesses and nonprofits to successfully help them provide all the powerful tools they need for successful project management in order to move those projects from conception to completion, which is obviously the key component here. So when I say Kate brings the trifecta to us, what I mean by that is she is an expert in her field. She is a certified associate in project management, but in addition In addition to that, she brings 20 years of experience with her to the table, and that's in the small business and nonprofit aspect. Now, in addition to that, as if that wasn't enough, she is also an attorney, and she practiced 12 years as an attorney and served in roles for the deputy city attorney at the city of Oakland and a senior attorney for the Environmental Defense Fund, so she knows her stuff. And then more importantly, and I think this is really where the trifecta comes into play, she has a compassionate heart. She is a of the Leadership Institute for Ecology and Economy, and she's a certified California naturalist, and she chairs the board of directors for sustainability nonprofit called Daily X. And in fact, that's how we met. There was another board member on the Klimmer team who serves with Daily X, and they thought it would be a good uh, a good thing for us to get together. So just so you have a little bit more background with Kate, she earned her law degree from Yale and her bachelor's degree in English from Boston College. Kate, I'm delighted to have you on the show today. Welcome. I'm so happy to be here, Kathy. Well, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And I know Pam Cross from the Clemmer team was kind enough to just suggest that, hey, I think you two ladies might want to get to know each other. And we had a lovely lunch up in Northern California and realized that, wow, there's some good synergy here. I want to learn more of what Kate does. She wanted to learn more of what the Clemmer team does. And we just hit it off. And it makes sense to have her as a guest on my show because there's some topics regarding project management that I just really hadn't thought about. It was not an exposure to a field that I had endeavored. And so let's talk about this, uh, Kate, a little bit. Why don't you give us kind of the the Project Services 101, if you would. Okay. Well, when I'm introducing people to what my business is, uh, I... You, you can just immediately see the eyes glaze over if you use the term project management. So I talk about it in terms of project planning 
and implementation, because those are words that people understand a little bit better. Um, so I think the best way to talk about what project management is is to break down those two terms. But I think the one that people stumble on the most is what is a project? A project is something that you do once or not more than once a year. It's things that are not a part of your ongoing operations. Now, I work with small businesses, so examples in a small business setting might include moving to a new location or a major software or equipment purchase decision or something that I just really love to do because I'm passionate about it is developing an emergency preparedness plan. So in terms of what is project management, that is a well-developed and tested set of tools and techniques to manage projects from initiation to closing. All right. So that outlines it really nicely for you. So um, do you work with teams that have, you know, I, I get that a project kind of is a one-off. Do you work with teams that have those one-offs and ones that have the perpetual projects coming your way? Do you have a delineation between the two? Uh, not really. I, I actually have both. Uh, again, since the focus of small businesses you know, they're not, if, if a company has more than 100 people and has a lot of projects, it's going to hire its own project manager. And since I work as an independent consultant, my sweet spot is uh, companies that are smaller than that. Uh, what I am finding is that once a company understands what a project and is and what the advantages of using project management techniques are, all of a sudden they realize, oh, hey, that works really well. We've got this other thing that's stuck over here. Can you help us with that? And can you help us with this? So it's more a, a, a rather than them having continuous projects, you know, on, on their schedule and in their work plan, once they realize what, what a project and what project management are, then they start to see product, projects everywhere they look. Okay, that makes sense. There would be a bit of a domino effect. You you create one successful project, and it, uh, it makes sense to me that when, when one does well, you want more and more and more. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, beautiful. Give me an idea. I'm sure there are some misconceptions about the field and the industry that you work in. Could you provide to me a little bit of the mes- misconceptions that might be in your field? Uh, there's a couple of things that I think of in response to that. One is uh, that there are not a lot of people doing what I do, which is bringing the tools and techniques of project management, which were developed for enormously complex projects like missile defense systems and sending people into into space, Uh so that, that project management sort of lives largely in that world, and people aren't familiar with the tools. Uh, people who work in small businesses are generally not familiar with the field. So uh, my main marketing challenge is to explain to people what it is and why they need it. 
So, you know, there's, it's not so much a misconception as a lack of conception. Uh, mm-hmm. But often once I start a conversation with people about it, the two biggest misconceptions that I run into are that I am a business coach, which I am not. I can refer you to people who do that very well. It's not my background. And uh, the other one I've run across is that I'm an organizer, that I'm just going to come into an office and help people, you know, develop some systems to keep themselves better organized. And it's, it's quite different from that. Okay, so you're not a coach, you're not an organizer. How would a company know, you say your sweet spot would be 100 employees or less, how would a company know um, outside of a move or software, or we can include those, or an emergency preparedness plan, how do they know when it's time to call you? What's that, what's that sweet spot of picking up the phone and, and uh, giving you a call? So one uh, phrase that I tell my networking colleagues to listen to for me is people saying, I have this great idea for something I want to do in my business, but I'm so busy running my business that I never have time to get to it. Or we've got this great idea of something that's really going to improve our business, but we don't know how to do that, how to think about it, how to come up with a plan, and how to make sure that plan gets implemented. Okay, that makes sense. So give us an idea of what are some of the clientele that you've worked with and some sample, let's say, cradle-to-grave projects. Let's just take a couple of samples so we get a feel for um, what you were able to do along that process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's kind of emerging as a, a little subspecialty of mine is um, companies that want to become vendors of services or products to public agencies uh, or to state or federal government. So there's so many pieces of that that I can work with a company through. Uh, I I've developed some expertise in um, certification, uh, companies becoming owned as small businesses, becoming certified as small businesses or woman-owned businesses or minority-owned businesses or disadvantaged businesses. Every jurisdiction has its uh, own set of um, types of organizations that it gives preferences to in the uh, uh procurement process. My, my personal favorite is uh, Alameda County here in the Bay Area, which has a designation that they call, the, the acronym is SLED, which stands for Small Local Emerging Business. <laughs> and oh. so there's, there's a lot to know about what the different distinctions are. And so I can help them get certified for anything they're qualified for. And I can also... Um, you know, they may not have experience ever having responded to a request for proposals from a government entity. I've done that many, many times, and I can walk them through what uh, is, uh, you know, what's really essential in that process and how to make the best, put forth the best proposal possible. So that's, that's one that uh, comes to mind that I'm doing more and more often now. 
Well, and I see that because there, um, I know I keep my eye on government opportunities with the work that we do um, out there with Clemmer and Associates. And I see more and more opportunities in our lane, but I am surprised but by how many government opportunities there are. And then the set-asides or the allocations, as you say, for small business owners or female-owned, minority-owned, that might that 5 or 10% bump might be just enough to win you that contract. So it's exactly. really good to, to know that you uh, specialize in that field um, because it was very foreign to me uh, when I kind of stepped into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And there's, there's much more to know about those than would appear to uh, uh, someone who hasn't developed expertise. For instance, there are three different organizations that uh, are authorized by the Small Business Administration to um, certify companies as woman-owned. So, you know, you might think, well, I'll just choose the best one. Well, Mm -hmm. which one is the best one depends on what you need the certification for. Ah, I see. So you're able to basically help companies avoid some obstacles or, let's say, rework an area, let's say they get certified even in not the right area. I'm understanding that a little bit better. All right. Well, we are actually coming up to our first break today. And when we come back, I want to dive into a concept that, Kate, I know it's uh, near and dear to your heart, and that's the concept of positive risk. And I'd like for you to deconstruct what do we mean by positive risk when it comes to a small business. And you've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at K-L-E-M-M-E-R dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at CompassionateSamuraiShow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks. And today we're speaking with guest expert, Kate Sting, who has a company called Make It Happen Project Services. So, Kate, we were talking about project services, and it's not a topic that, let's say, typically is going to have some riveting at the edge of their seat on pins and needles. But it's such an essential service, especially in the small business component. Um, You talked about about the larger companies when you're building skyscrapers or launching multi-million dollar products, you would actually have a project management team. When it comes to small business, you scale that back a little bit and you make your services available out there to small business and nonprofits, correct? That's right. All right. And so, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say there's three different ways that uh, I work with companies Uh, 80% of project management is really in the planning phase, so uh, I can sometimes just focus entirely on planning, get a, you know, break down the tasks and get a schedule and a budget in place, give them some tips on implementation, and they can take it from there and implement the project themselves. For a company that's trying to stay really lean on its staffing, I can manage the project start to finish, and then I go away and don't become a part of that company's ongoing overhead. Uh, for companies that are looking to upskill their staff and bring some of that project management skill uh, in-house, I can do a uh, training where I will uh, do a, a very, very custom-tailored uh, in-house on-site training for their staff, and then I follow up by coaching the staff through their first two projects that they try implementing these tools. And that is what it actually makes it stick and makes it become a habit uh, as opposed to, you know, sending them off to a generic class that doesn't have examples from their industry and things like that. You know, they come back and in two weeks they're back to doing things the way they they always did, whereas uh, my approach makes sure it's, of course, it's more costly than sending somebody to a class, but your, your return on investment is greater because they actually start using the tools consistently. Well, and that really resonates with me, the experiential nature of what you do, the hands-on kind of simulated uh, scenarios where you're not making multi-million or multi-thousand dollar decisions. You're walking walking them through the mentoring process of it all and then sending them back to work where they're able to execute the plan. And boy, that makes sense to me. It's the experiential nature of that resonates with the training that that we do with Clemmer and Associates. Um, We find that that tends to be the quickest way for someone to have a shift 
in their behavior is that emotional involvement and a hands-on experience to what they're actually doing. So fantastic. Now, small businesses, they're not out there uh, building skyscrapers or or, uh, sending humans out into space, but there's still a risk involved with what they're doing. I'd love to hear your aspect of risk. What's a positive risk? What's a negative risk? And what do we mean by risk when it comes to project services? Sure. So uh, when most of us think about risk, we think about negative risks, all the things that could possibly go wrong on a project. And it is very important to analyze and plan for negative risks because every project has them, and the better prepared we are to meet them, the better the chances of success. But most of us have a hard time putting together the concepts of positive and risk. So uh, when I describe, uh, you know, risk planning on a project, I often talk about negative and positive risk side by side because it helps make positive risk easier for people to grasp. Um, let's see. And, and there's a number of ways of explaining it, and I'm trying to think about uh, uh, which one might be the best. Uh, so essentially it's a matter of, Oh, I know what I wanted to be sure to say is that companies that consistently perform risk management on their projects are more successful than those who don't. So it can be a really powerful competitive advantage. If you'd like, I can walk you through uh, the process of what a a simple uh, project uh, risk management process might look like. I think that would be really helpful. I'm kind of wondering, is that the first place you start? Is that step two? Like, where do you start uh, having that conversation regarding risk um, for the whole project planning? Right. Definitely not the first stage. Uh, Things I would always make sure a company did first is, first and foremost, state the why of this project. Why is it that we're doing this? essentially documenting the business need. Second would be for the owner or whoever's the proponent of this project to, you know, define what's, what's the scope? What are we trying to do here? And what, what is not a part of this project that can often be equally important to being very clear about what we're not doing here. And then with that rough definition of the project, Identify who has an interest in this. Who are you going to be relying on to implement the the project? Who are going to be the end users of the service or the the product? Who are all the folks on your staff, possibly some of your customers, possibly some of your vendors, who sort of have some skin in the game on this? Mm -hmm. So let's get the... Yeah, Kate, let's hit the pause button because something popped in. With this, you coming in from the outside, I could Mm -hmm. almost see that there's a little bit of silo work that could take place where Mm -hmm. people 
they want to stay in their lane and only their lane. And then how do you balance that with folks who want to literally take over a project and it's really not their lane? Because I, mm-hmm. I can see that you coming in as an outside of the organization, there's some resistance there potentially. And then kind of how do you get all the puppies in the box? How do you get everybody on board with the project planning? Yeah. Uh, This piece of identifying all the stakeholders and bringing them together, let them know, okay, here's here's the, the draft scope for this project. What are we missing? What else do we need to do? Do you see big advantages to this? Do you see things that aren't going to work? Get their input up front and then revise your scope, taking that input into account. At that point, you have overcome so much of the resistance for the project because, number one, people will so appreciate that their input was solicited. And number two, most likely, your staff are going to have a better idea of what uh, the advantages and disadvantages and concerns and so forth are. So they're going to bring some good ideas in that you may not have thought of when you were initially planning it. So then you'll end up with a scope that's much more uh, a a better fit for the organization. And uh, I bring that up now because if I am seen as the one who's initiating that stakeholder input, I'm a hero to them at that point, and they'll they'll happily cooperate with me. So I, I find that it's both a way to make uh, the project more successful and also a way to build a positive relationship with all the employees in the organization so they will be more responsive uh, with me as I lead them through the project. Well, there's no doubt about it. Anybody on the team who feels heard, they don't necessarily have to agree with everything, but I know that it is certainly human nature. We have that need to feel heard. And once we feel heard, we're at choice on whether or not we adopt uh, or in some cases, you know, don't adopt the strategy. But that feeling heard, I can see that that makes all the difference in the world in terms of implementation and execution of um, the actual plan that's being drafted. Fantastic. Now, one of the things that we were talking about, when you've identified those risks, how do you figure out which ones are most important? You were going to kind of walk us through, we might have to carry that over through the next break, but kind of walk us through the steps of what a small risk strategy would look like. Okay, great. Well, I'll just start into it, and you let me know when we need to to break. You got it. So, you know, whether you're planning for positive or negative risks, the process is essentially the same. So, for a project of moderate complexity, your risk planning and analysis process might look something like this. You pull together a representative sampling of those stakeholders for your neg, and I would do negative and positive risk planning separately. For negative risk planning, we make sure that you're including some of your naysayers, you know, the office Eeyore. And for positive risk planning, you want to be sure to include a healthy serving of your wide-eyed optimists and imagineers. So those groups separately brainstorm 
everything that could go wrong or right on the, uh, on the project, and they make a list of all of those things. And uh, it's most helpful if you put it in a framework of due to, state the risk, there is a risk that, or, you know, due to, state the cause, there is a risk that, state the possible, uh, you know, what it is that could go wrong, you know, over budget, you know, over schedule, things like that, resulting in, and then state what the outcome would be. So um, they brainstorm, they get those together, and then um, the first thing they do is look at those, that list, and assign each risk a likelihood of happening. What's the probability of this? And then they estimate the impact if the risk does occur. You put this information together in a spreadsheet, this enables you to plot the risks on a simple graph, which tells you which risks to pay the most attention to. Uh, You're going to focus on the ones that are the highest combination of probability and impact. Those are going to be your main ones. There'll be some medium risks and some low risks on that chart. And that's how you assess which ones you're going to pay the most attention to. Now, in negative risk analysis, you're, you want to do everything you can to prevent the high probability, high impact things from happening. With positive risks, you want to do everything you can to ensure that those high probability, high impact things do happen. Of the fact that we take a look at the positive impact. Kate, when we come back from break, what I'd love to hear from you are how do you identify those important risks and how do we respond to those important risks effectively and with a sense of urgency, most likely? You've been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for our next segment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmeron Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. Hello and welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Today we're joined by the founder of Make It Happen Project Services and our guest is Kate Steen. Now, Kate, we were talking about risk and how positive and negative risk really impacts the planning aspect of project management. Would you share with us some of these high impact, and I I don't know how you respond or not, respond to the low, but I'm really questioning how do we respond appropriately to those high impact risk aspects? Okay. So there are um, four options uh, for negative risks, and I think explaining these will help illuminate how you respond to positive risks. The first is you can avoid the risk. You can just say, this is not an acceptable risk. We will change the scope of the project to avoid it. Second thing you can do is mitigate, which is we will actively take steps to decrease the probability that the risk will occur or decrease the impact if it does occur. The third is transfer. The most common way to transfer risk is to purchase insurance. Uh, Another way is to contract out a part of the project so that, for example, there's some high-risk work that's done by people who have special training and safety equipment that your staff doesn't have. And finally, you can accept the risk. This is most common in situations where the cost of preventing the risk is higher than the cost of the risk actually occurring. Well, so and Kate, positive- this is what this is what I love about you kind of deconstructing this for us, because I know sometimes as entrepreneurs or small business owners, we can have that pedal to the metal so hard that we don't hit the pause button long enough to say, okay, what would these high impact risk categories be? And how do we, as you as you've described, how do we mitigate the potential negative aspects? So I love, you know, the fact that there's what, five things. We can avoid it, mitigate it, transfer it, contract out, or accept it. It sounds really simple. I fear to think how many times you've been called to work in a company to help them kind of work through the damage they've already created by not pausing long enough for this category. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I am... I I don't seek out uh, engagements where they're already in the middle of a uh, a project that's going off the rails and uh, um, and they're 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 looking for somebody to throw throw the rope over the cliff and pull it back Mm -hmm. up. Um, I'd love to tell you though about uh, 
how what the options are for responding to positive risks because I think Great. this will this and maybe an example will really help people get a get a grasp of that. Great. Um, the Let's go. Okay. First thing you can do is exploit. This is the opposite of avoid. You add or change the you add work or change the project to make sure that the opportunity happens. Uh, you can enhance. This is the reverse of mitigate. You take actions to increase the probability and the size of the impact if the risk occurs. You share. This could be considered the flip side of transfer. If you don't have the right skills or assets in-house to take advantage of this opportunity, you can form a partnership or joint venture with an organization that has those skills and assets. Uh, or you can accept. You can accept you know, actively by allowing, allocating time and cost reserves, or you can passively accept and leave your response to be determined as needed after the risk occurs. And if you'd like, I could give you some examples of what those might look like. Yeah, I'm especially interested when I hear the word exploit. exploit. I want to hear some examples of what you mean, potentially in each of the, I think, uh, the sharing or joint venture partnerships, that makes sense. But if you could provide some examples in these categories, I think it'll help not only me, but everybody. Sure. Well, suppose the project is a new product launch. So you're, you get together your team and you do some brainstorming. So I can give you examples of ideas they might come up with for positive risks and how they might respond. So, for example, uh, we identify one positive risk. Our customer is a mid-sized local company. When we provide her with a prototype of our product, She's so impressed that she brings it to a national chain that she does business with. So that would be an example of where you might want to do some enhancing to, uh, uh, you know, take actions to increase the probability and the size of that impact if that impact occurs. So you might make it very easy for her to see that, this is uh, a, a connection that she could make that might be beneficial to both of you. You know, Next funny example. you should say that. You know, I'm, I'm flashing back on a conversation I had with someone a couple of weeks ago, and literally out of their mouth was, I don't know what we're going to do if we win this national contract because <laughs> production is not able to handle the capacity. And we don't know what we're going to do. So they're out there pitching on a national level and at the same time scared to death they're going to win the the business because it will, they, they haven't made the plans yet to manage that risk of growth. Right. And that Mm -hmm. leads right into my next next example is, uh, so your favorite customer does that and that national chain wants to put that, your product in a 1,000 stores nationwide. And that volume far outstrips your current production capacity. So that would be an example of your best option would be to share. You want to go out and find other uh, companies in the area that have production capacity who can you can enter into a co-packing agreement with. So you can... You know, quickly expand your production capacity by already having in place 
agreements with some other manufacturing facilities who can help you quickly uh, move up to be able to uh, respond to a large amount. Well, and I think... I think a great example of that, the behavior that I see modeled all the time, and it's probably because we live in Northern California, I've had a lot of clients that are in the winery business or wine production, Mm -hmm. and they commonly, wineries will commonly share their bottling lines because inevitably a line will break. Something will happen Mm -hmm. with some equipment during harvest time, and literally they're going to package up, they're going to call their friendly neighbor and say, hey, can we do our bottling? Uh, We know you're going to close your line down at 5 o'clock tonight or 8 o'clock tonight. Can we come in and do processing, crushing, stemming, the whole bottle, everything that it's going to take in order to get the whole, well, not crushing and stemming, but the bottling aspect of it. Can we get that done between, let's say, 10 p.m. and we'll be out of your hair by 5 a.m.? And that's very common common in the wine business and so I love the fact that the whole sharing aspect makes sense and it's something you probably have to have some goodwill paid up front and have those relationships ready to go almost at their peak before you get too deep into the project right get some good quality exactly excellent you want to have some cooperative agreements in place so that you will do that for each other and work out in advance what the pricing will be on that. And then also don't forget to talk to your staff. Make sure that you've got staff that is available to come in at 8 p.m. rather than 8 a.m. and Mm -hmm. and work a night shift to get this done. Right, right, exactly. That's not the normal time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people have children and other responsibilities. They may or may not be available then. That's right. That's right. All right. So does that cover it in terms of the positive aspects, the positive responses that a company could could take when it comes to risk and and just navigating that process? Yeah, just taking the example one step further. So on the schedule you've created, the product will be ready to ship in three months. Say that national chain is running a national ad campaign two months from now. If your product is ready to ship in two months, it will include you in that national advertising campaign at no cost to you. And that would be an example of you're going to exploit. You are going to do everything you can. You're going to add work. You're going to change the project. Uh, You're going to find a way to compress your schedule so that you can uh, meet that deadline because you you absolutely don't want to miss that opportunity. Sure. So would you consider um, some areas to exploit the planning and the, the positive risk aspect? I'm thinking of the construction uh, industry. Let's say uh, you are building um, some aspect. Let me, let's say it's an additional to, addition to a school or an addition to a business park. And if your company can come in under budget and under schedule, there's a bonus incentive for that? Would that be a positive exploitation of the risk involved? That's a great example. And if you thought about that in advance, you could make adjustments to, you know, you can staff up more or 
work 24-hour shifts or, you know, put plans in place to make sure that you meet that that bonus point. Right. Well, I'm flashing back to the earthquake we had in 89 where um, there was damage on the the Oakland Bay Bridge. And I know the contractor there had... um, uh, come in un- not so much under budget but under schedule and they're worth mm-hmm. tens of thousands of dollars for C.C. Myers in play for them if they could come in under schedule and they came in well under schedule uh, if I'm remembering correctly. It, it wasn't correctly. thousands at stake, it was millions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of millions, we're going to give our audience members a little bit of a break. We're going to come back for our last segment and And I want to talk about some of the tricks, the tools, the techniques that you use in order to help your clients serve them at either even a greater scope than you're doing today. So um, you are listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Stay tuned for our last segment. Thank you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leadership development isn't limited to people in the executive suites or corporate boardrooms. Employees throughout a company recognize their role in fulfilling the company's mission. Effective leadership is a quality that must be shared by employees from the top down. Clemmer & Associates Corporate Mastery Workshop focuses on key topics to equip each student's development into a highly productive and ethical leader. For more information, visit Clemmer.com. That's K-L-E-M-M-E-R.com. Kathy Fairbanks is available to speak for your event or organization. Kathy is the Director of Client Solutions for Clemmer & Associates Leadership Seminars. Kathy and her corporate team provides experiential training introductions to clients worldwide in order to support them in achieving their desired goals. Put Kathy Fairbanks to work for you. Call 800-577-5447 or send an email to Kathy at clemmer.com. The next step for growth is yours. Call 800-577-5447 or email Kathy at klemmer.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. To reach Kathy Fairbanks or her guest today, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, the email address is kathy at compassionatesamuraishow.com. Now, back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. 
Welcome back to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour. I'm your host, Kathy Fairbanks. And today we're joined by Kate Steen, and she is the founder of Make It Happen Project Services. So, Kate, one of the things that I wanted to talk over with you is with everything project management and project services, I'm curious if you've experienced any sort of generational differences or kind of the evolution of um, the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to today. Could you speak to that topic a bit? Yeah, I, I think I'd probably best to make a comparison from about the 90s to today. Uh, I think prior to the 90s, project management was limited to a very small number of industries. And if you weren't in those industries, you'd never heard of it. You had no idea what it was. In the 90s, uh, the uh, IT, the tech sector, IT software, um, you know, realized what a perfect tool it was for them. So it become became more widely used, and then other industries, uh, hospital systems, pharmaceuticals, government, many others started to realize that this is a, a good tool to use. And so I think awareness of it among people who entered the workforce around that time is much higher. In fact, I saw, and I, I think it's going to increase because I saw a uh, list of top 10 growth professions and then within each one of them what the top skills are. Project management was one of the top skills in eight of the 10 of those uh, growing professions and project management itself was one of the top 10 growth professions. So uh, people are going to be more and more familiar with it because they are going to have to be uh, familiar with it, and it's going to be – companies are seeing more and more what an impact it can have on their success. So well, awareness and- of project management is, is spreading. Perfect. And you know, I'm I'm flashing back. I I don't even think I heard the term project management when I was in business school and that's the late seventies, early eighties. But one of the things that um I think can come into play is how do you leverage the results that you're able to produce for some clients. Let's say you've got a company that doesn't subscribe to your services and one that does. Could you speak to the kind of results that you've been able to produce along several different topics? Oh, let me see what a good example would be. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sort of accumulating a database because I know what is going to have the highest impact in people understanding or, you know, putting value on this product is mm-hmm. to be able to show comparative results in comparative, in similar industries. So uh, I'm, I'm sort of at the beginning of that process of really um, capturing uh, those both the you know try to do it in numbers as much as I can, but also people remember things through stories. So yes. trying to uh, really develop a database of those uh, um, those stories, those positive outcomes that people are really really happy with. So none are springing to mind at the moment, but I'm really focusing on that as a way to help people understand uh, the, the what the impact can be. Well, and I'm getting, I mean, when you're talking about 
eight of the the top 10 aspects of, of having a field or having a role, or having your hand in project management, I'm realizing that the ripple effect is huge. What are some of those ripple effects or dominoes that if you don't pay attention to your project management, your project services, uh, what's the what's the downside of, of ignoring that? And I'm probably being the master of the obvious, but let's let's make sure that we cover off why you know it's hitting eight out of ten on on the checklist. Well, I think it's simply a matter that uh, it is now being statistically shown that companies that use project management consistently are more successful than those who don't. And every industry where, they, you know, where there's been this you know, sort of flattening of the business world, every industry is so competitive that you are going to have your lunch eaten if you do not take advantage of every tool that's available to you to get an edge on your competition and this is a really uh, a big uh, advantage that you can build into how you do things. Otherwise, you're just going to stay stuck where you are, you know, having good ideas and never executing on them. And, uh, you know, you're going to become obsolete uh, if, you, if you don't keep up with the pace of change in every right. industry. Right. And I think that really is the plague of small business. Those that can keep up with the pace of change or even ahead of the curve are able to uh, not only maintain, but they're able to thrive. Um, you, you spoke briefly about tools, uh, picking up those tools. What are some of the favorite tools that you utilize as the expert coming into a company? What are some of the tools and techniques that you rely heavily on to create success? for your clients? Sure. I've already talked about uh, some of the key ones in the initiating and planning process. Uh, in the later stages of the projects, a couple of key ones are, uh, I, I, I need to think of a more small business friendly term for this, but in uh, the, the project management world, it's called a work authorization system. Everybody's heard the term scope creep, where you start out doing one thing and then the project evolves and before you know it, you're doing something very different or very much more than what you anticipated. So setting up a system where if anyone is doing anything that is not within the original scope of the project, they need to get that work authorized by the leader of the project and having a system set up for who gets to make those go, no go decisions is really important. Um, uh, and another really important thing that people miss a lot is at the end of the project, or perhaps throughout the course of the project, uh, writing down your lessons learned and uh, figuring out a way to index and store them so that they are easy for the people leading the next project to find and refer to. I mean, you... Great, you know, people usually end a project, great, we're done. Now we can just put that out of our minds and move back to operations. Well, do you want the next team working on the next project to have the same learning curve that you had on this project? <laughs> or do, you want, do you want to give them a big leg up by writing down what you learned on the first project? 
I love it. That's one of my favorite words that comes out of that, and that is duplication. It's simplication, duplication, and all about systems. So, Kate, I want to give the audience an opportunity to get in touch with you um, for a discovery session, a one-hour consultation, um, a free discovery session to really get a pulse on their business and what kind of services you could provide. Could you give us your website and your email? Email before we close out today's show. Sure thing. The website is Make It Happen PS or Project Services dot com, and my email address is my first name Kate spelled with a C at Make It Happen PS dot com. Okay, so that's www.makeithappen, P is in project, S is in services.com, and then Kate at makeithappenps.com, correct? Correct. All right. So on that discovery call, you would kind of walk people through complimentary, get to know their business a little bit, and how you can really help implement positive results and forward change, and also see if you're a cultural fit, correct? Exactly. All right. Well, you have been listening to the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with your host, Kathy Fairbanks. Until next week, we say knock them alive. Thank you for tuning into our show. You can hear the Compassionate Samurai Business Hour live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, be sure to take action and create your own success.